Welcome into the newest edition of Checkerboard Chat. I am Ryan Schumpert, sports editor here at the Daily Beacon, and joined in this first segment by Jeffrey Russell, our Tennessee basketball beat writer here, and a, a good week for the Vols. They bounced back from uh, their worst week of the season with a 2-0 performance, kind of a shaky win over Mississippi State before kind of a breakout performance against Kansas as Tennessee uh, gets out of what had been a little bit of a slump, definitely so on the offensive end, but what were your takeaways from a 2-0 week? Uh, I think coming off of Mississippi State, you just really saw them kind of find a way to win. I don't think they really cared how pretty it was or, you know, what what kind of statistics it looked like. I think they just wanted to find a way to win after such two crushing losses. And I think it really helped them gain some confidence back when Kansas came into town. And it, it showed, you know, starting at the beginning of the game, they kind of just put, put their foot on Kansas and didn't let them up. They just took them out from the beginning. So I think this week was definitely a big confidence builder heading into the, the back end of SEC play. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And like you said, the Mississippi State game was so much about just finding a way way to get a win. And the Kansas game, I think you saw a Tennessee team that was really motivated. I think you saw a Tennessee team that was excited to play the, that Kansas name, that Kansas jersey, after, especially after the last two years. And Kansas was coming off a real quick turnaround playing Thursday night and having to come to Knoxville. And they definitely didn't look nearly as, as locked in. But for Tennessee, I think, my biggest takeaways, one was just that they got back to the defense that we'd seen the really the whole season. They were really bad in, in the Florida game, in the Missouri game, and obviously not having Springer hurt things, but they didn't get good defensive performances out of guys like Keon Johnson and Josiah James. They got that from both of them this week in both games, especially Josiah James. And I think you really see, and not that this is some huge shocker, but if you can't hit three-point shots against Tennessee, you're really going to struggle to score. And now Tennessee's not great at guarding the three-point line. So if you can shoot three-point shots, you can do some damage against Tennessee. But neither Mississippi State or Kansas could really shoot. And it just makes things so hard if Tennessee's not having to come out and extend their defense. If they can pack things in with as much length and size as they have at the guard spots, it makes things really, really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh... – the defense is going to be the thing that carries this team down the stretch. I think we all knew that, you know, offense is a plus and you need it to play well, but getting back to their roots defensively, like you saw at the beginning of the season was the key for this team. And I think we maybe saw a step in the right direction. Yeah. And I think you talking about the offensive end and we'll get to what incredible shooting performance Saturday was in here in a second. But what I think you saw this week as a whole and specifically Saturday was the post play being real well in the offensive end. Mm -hmm seeing Ponds build on the Missouri game, not just having one good offensive game. Really, both games this week, he played really well. Mississippi State game, he fouled out, was dealing with foul trouble, so he didn't play quite as much. And then another strong performance against Kansas. And then it's just one game, so it's much more wait and see. But John Fulkerson Saturday looked much more like the John Fulkerson you saw a year ago, scoring out of post-ups, passing it out of post-ups, three assists. And for it to come off of the Mississippi State game was probably – I don't know about his worst game, but he was just not really into the game at all offensively. So, again, it's too soon to say that's an official turn of things, but I think that's certainly something to watch going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, we just here on Monday talked to head coach Rick Barnes about Saturday's game, kind of going into this next week. What were your biggest takeaways from, from what he said? So, I think – 
the two biggest takeaways for me was the one of, you know, you played so well against Kansas, but you can't get too high on yourself. He kept saying that, you know, you're not always as good as you think you are. You're not always as bad as you think you are. So don't get, you don't go head over heels about how you played against Kansas. You still have a long road ahead of you. He still, he kept saying they could still be so much better on, on both ends of the court. And I think that's true. And I think what is going to get them to that success is kind of a level-headed mindset. And I think he's trying to keep them kind of grounded in, in their success. And then the other part would be rebounding. Uh, he put out a real just distinct challenge to them that they have to be better. They aren't going to win many games and they aren't going to be a good team if they are not good at rebounding. And they came out and just attacked the boards with a, a tenacity that I don't think we've really seen all year against Kansas. And uh, while I think that's great success, he also, you know, kept to the point that, you know, that's great. You did it once. Let's do it repeatedly because, you you know, you're not going to find any success without uh, consistent rebounding and attacking the glass like they did against Kansas. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point. And one we kind of got a glimpse of, I guess, first after Saturday's game, I guess Josiah James what called it a come, come to Jesus meeting that they <laughs> had on Friday night. And John, or East Ponds and John Fulkerson talked about it a little bit, too. And Rick Barnes talked about drawing the line. But you're right. It seemed like there was really kind of a a real challenge to the whole team from a, I kind of think a toughness standpoint, that is, you know, mm -hmm. so much of what rebounding is, but it wasn't him just challenging them to play better. It really seemed like he was challenging. We, we got to be tougher. We have to be more locked in the games than we have been. And obviously a great response. I think Tuesday is going to be a big question of you get Ole Miss on the road between Kentucky and Kansas. Can they keep that consistency? Can they keep that focus? For every game, it's easy to get up for Kansas, like we were talking about earlier. Can they do that consistently? The other thing I'd say, and this was less of a takeaway on the team, I just think it's if you, anyone listening has a chance to go back and listen to the press conference, uh, something I think was worth mentioning. I think it was Vince Ferrara asked Coach Barnes about what's different about COVID this season. He talked about having to lounge clothes and the guys not being able to hang out. I thought that was an interesting answer. You just kind of saw Rick Barnes' perspective kind of in a, in a different light is more of a less intense basketball coach and more of a player's coach. He talked about how some of his favorite part of the job was going in there before and after practice and just cutting it up with the team. So, again, that's not really about Tennessee basketball or this team as much. But if you get a chance to go watch that, I thought that was an interesting answer that he gave. Yeah, I think that was a really interesting peek behind the curtain, and it, it kind of uh, pours into the stories you've kind of heard from players in the past that, you know, Rick isn't afraid to get on you like no one else, but he's also going to, you know, uh, love you up off the court and really, you know, be a leader and a, a leader of men off the court. And he's a, a great coach, and I think that's kind of what pours into that success is just how he's able to kind of differentiate the on-the-court and off-the-court stuff. Yeah, definitely. No doubt about that, and that's – that's so much. You I mean you just look at it's a little more broad here, but just you look at Tennessee's success. It's it's so much around Rick Barnes, what he does, his development of players, and then him bringing in guys that fit his culture and, and the way he wants to do things. But getting back into this Tennessee team Saturday night, we talked about it a little bit getting out of the slump, but really just in in remarkable way offensively, shooting 53% from the field. 62% from three-point line, eight of 13. I don't think I've hardly seen Tennessee shoot that efficiently from three-point line ever, hardly, at least in the, in the last yeah. few years. And then 16 to 17 from the charity stripe. How much of Tennessee's offensive success Saturday do you think came just from a, a hot shooting performance, and how much of it do you think they have kind of figured out a little bit more long-term? 
I think a lot of it just came from being fearless, going up there and just knowing you're a good basketball player and going to take your shots. You know, I think Rick challenged, he says he's challenged Eve Pons and Josiah that when they get the chance to shoot a good shot, shoot it, you know, uh, don't, you know, sometimes looking for the extra pass isn't what's going to bring you success. It's going to take, it's going to be taking a good shot that you're confident in. And I think a lot of what we saw on Saturday was just strong confidence. I obviously those numbers probably aren't you know reachable for two games three games in a row it's not it's not reasonable to think you can do that well again but the confidence that that may have brought could be you know something that boosts their offensive game for the rest of the season yeah and I think that's something we talked about a little bit last week too is Barnes is definitely and some of this is definitely just trying to make him more confident but he's definitely encouraging I think them to take more threes that aren't wide open than he has in the past and I'm sure some of that's around that they haven't gotten the production from John Fulkerson inside. So when they have the ball moving, he wants to shoot it. And I think that's going to be something that's, that's really worth watching going forward. Cause at some point this team, this, at least through SEC play, it's been, they're shooting 50% from the three point line, 55% from the field. They can't miss or they're shooting 20%. At some point, it seems like there's going to have to be a middle ground for this team and they're going to settle in there. And I think Rick Barnes is continuing to try to build the confidence knowing that and knowing that unless they truly get John Fulkerson turned into what he was at the end of last season, the three-point shot's going to be key to their offensive success. Yeah, and you talked about it earlier. I think you saw moments in the Kansas game where Fulkerson really got back to that kind of speed game of his. Obviously, he's not going to match up with a lot of guys down there playing that bruising post game. But when he can face up a guy and use his speed to get around him or beat him on that first step, he usually is going to make his shot or at least get a good good angle on his shot. And I think that success really uh, flows to everybody else on the team. So, yeah, I completely agree. One big key for Tennessee this week was its bench play, outscored Mississippi State in bench points 18-11 to 11 before outscoring Kansas in bench points 24-18. to 18. And some of that, you know, different guys off the bench, Springer came off the bench in that game against Mississippi State. It was Josiah James had nine points. And one of the guys that didn't do a ton of scoring, just had nine on the week, but really did have a, a really strong week for Tennessee was Olivier Camois. Just how encouraging of a sign was that, what he was able to do for two straight games? And do you feel like he's he's maybe turning a corner at this point? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think what he's doing is what the, the Vols desperately needed, and that was a post player off the bench that can spell Fulkerson or even give Pons some minutes, I think. They hadn't had that all year, and he's been able to come in and play solid on the defensive end. He said uh, to Rick Barnes that his his goal is to go in there and be a solid rebounder and play strong defense. And obviously, you know, any offense is just an extra icing on the cake, but this week he was able to mostly do that. He did, at the beginning of the Kansas game, have one or two moments of uh, a struggle against David McCormick, but he rebounded right off of that. And I think that was something you hadn't really seen a lot in his career when he would get beat. He wasn't really able to kind of, you know, put that to the back of his mind to just, you know, continue to play well and continue to push forward. But now you're starting to see him, okay, I got beat. Let me learn from it and let me boost my game up so it won't happen again. And I think if he can play, you know, 10 minutes to 15 minutes, like we saw against Kansas, I think that's just some extra depth that can only carry this team to more success. Yeah, I think what you're saying about the mental was, was what to me was was really noticeable. And you're, you're right. It's all about what he gives the defense and rebounding. But you look at that Kansas game, he took seven shots. I 
I'm sure that's the most he's taken in an SEC game in his career. He, there's maybe mm-hmm. last year he was playing a lot in some of those non-conference games. He might have taken more, but he was, and on a lot of them, he his first option wasn't there. Maybe he tried to drive and he got hit and he kept his composure. He he seemed so much less rushed when he had the ball on offense. It seemed like the game was really slowing down for him. And I think that's something that, you know, you don't want to jinx the guy, but it, it really does seem like he's starting to figure some things out. What I will say is both the matchups this week were kind of good matchups for him. He's those the guys we talked about, John Fulkerson not not being great against. Those are the guys that you want him down there against banging mm-hmm. around. He's not going to be as good in those games against Auburn or Arkansas where they can get him switched on ball screens and he has to guard quick guards. He's not going to excel in those games. So I, I he, I'm sure he'll still have some struggles down the stretch, but it it does seem like he's becoming a guy that can reliably at least give him 10 minutes a night. Cause I mean, you look at last week, it was what 15 minutes in, in one game and 14 in the other trying to find it mm-hmm. here in the stat sheet. Yeah. 15 minutes against Kansas and 12 minutes against Mississippi state. So two, two really, really strong. I mean, he was, he was just, he wasn't a liability at all. And, and that was the thing in both those games, you never looked out there and it was like, they, they can only get another minute out of Campbell. I need to get him out. He's he's clogging things up. He he played within the team, and he really just seemed to be much more comfortable in his role. Yeah, absolutely. I think his uh his growth over these this last week, I think, has been something that probably excites a lot of Tennessee fans and Tennessee coaches, and I think they can't wait to see where he goes from here. So Tennessee coming off three straight home games, they will now head on the road this week, Tuesday night. Tomorrow night, a battle against Ole Miss before heading to Lexington Saturday night for a rivalry game against a Kentucky team that will hopefully happen. Kentucky did have a COVID pause on Saturday. They didn't, weren't able to play Texas, kind of helping out the SEC and the SEC Big 12 Challenge by not playing a <laughs> Texas team, helping uh, the SEC get a 5-4 win and not a 5-5 tie. But what are you looking for with Tennessee going into this week against two teams that two or two games that they'll probably be small favorites in? Uh, I think going into Ole Miss, I think you see a team that is going to get after you defensively, likes to force a lot of turnovers, play in transition when they get those turnovers. Tennessee just has to play a solid uh, half-court game, not rush themselves, not you know get out of tempo, because when they do, they, they kind of struggle with turnovers. So just play in a solid, uh, consistent, you know, maybe not two-paced game, because I think they're a, a better team than Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is good, but they struggle to – find any success really offensively they only have two guys averaging over 10 points um so i think if they can just slow the game down force old miss to maybe take some outside shots i think they'll find a lot of success against old miss and i think pretty much the same with kentucky kentucky obviously has a lot more talent with people like brandon boston davion mintz uh they're, they're obviously, if they can turn it on, they'll be a good team. But like Ole Miss, they really can't hit an outside shot to save their lives. So if Tennessee can just clog up the lane and, and force some mid-range to out, outside shots, I think they'll find a lot of success against both opponents this week. Yeah, it's it's going to be two games where Tennessee's immediately going to get tested back with their offense. That in, in, mm-hmm. in some ways, it's, it's two games that Tennessee's offense can probably play not great and Tennessee could still win. So it's, it's almost a good situation for Tennessee, but it's a chance to build on a good offensive performance against two pretty solid defensive teams. And like you said, offensively, neither of these teams can shoot the ball well from the outside, which, like I was saying earlier, it makes it hard to see them having much success offensively against Tennessee. The one thing to watch that Kentucky game, I think 
the big X factor there will be the Wildcats' ability on the offensive glass. They're very bad. They're a very bad shooting team. They're very bad on offense. But if they can – they're big. They can rebound the ball well. They can get second-chance points there. And if they can turn Tennessee over. You saw in that LSU game, LSU tried to speed them up, press them, make that an up-tempo game. It completely backfired. Kentucky has the athletes to run. So if Tennessee can limit their turnovers, which for the most part they've been really good at this year, I think – that Kentucky game will be one they should be able to take care of. But certainly two games they could lose, certainly two games that um, will challenge Tennessee and are definitely good test, especially for their offense to see how much of Saturday was just uh, kind of a fluke, great shooting performance, and how much of it was sustainable. Yeah, definitely. That will do it for this first segment of the Checkerboard Chat. We will be back in segment two. I'll be joined by Josh Lane to talk a little bit of Lady Vols basketball is they had a 2-0 week as well and jumped five spots in the AP poll to number 20 before getting up for a, a gauntlet of a ride, five straight ranked opponents for the Lady Vols. So we'll get all of that here in uh, just a sec. All right, welcome into the second edition of this checkerboard chat, talking a little Lady Vols basketball. I think I said it wrong our outro from the last segment. Lady Vols actually up to number 18 in the AP poll today, not number 20. I'm joined here in this segment by our assistant sports editor here at the Daily Beacon and Lady Vols beat writer, Joshua Lane. Josh, uh, hope you're doing well. What were your takeaways on what was a, a pretty solid 2-0 week for Tennessee with wins over Ole Miss and Florida? Yeah, doing well. Um, got a couple of takeaways here. I'd say the first thing is that they've really got the hang of their offense. And what I mean by that is the style of offense they run. They love to score down low. They love to post up um, points in the paint run their offense through the middle and so last year I know that that was a kind of issue for them that's why they kind of fell off towards the end of the year their players weren't really buying into that style of offense but this year the players are definitely into it to what head coach Kelly Harper's trying to do and oh I think we've seen the success of that this past week um good points in the paint number against Ole Miss a season high 56 points in the paint against Florida and I know Florida doesn't guard that very well but Again, they've definitely mastered that, you could say, um, and they know that that's where they're going to run their offense series down the middle. Uh, I'd say another takeaway, the SEC is very tough this year. Um, that's something that Kelly Harper has been mentioning all year. And if you look at, you know, projections and stuff, there's eight teams from the SEC projected into the final tournament this year at this point. So, you know, there's not going to be really any easy wins per se. And we saw that against Ole Miss, a team that Tennessee – you know, clearly they're better than them, but you have one bad quarter against a team like Ole Miss, and then you're going to be, you know, right there, very competitive basketball game. you got to play hard to get yourself out of that hole. You, so uh, that's the second takeaway. I'd say the last thing is that the Lady Vols, they definitely have a high ceiling, though. When they're playing well, they can be one of the best teams in the country. Um, they're so dominant with the way they score. Um, you know, they've got three really good scores now at this point in uh, Davis and Burrell and Key who came on the scene. So, you know, like I said, the SEC is going to be tough, but I think if they're playing well, they're playing mistake-free. They're definitely one of the best teams in the conference and, you know, even the whole nation. Yeah, you talked about that, about everyone kind of knowing their role and, and buying into what they're, what they're doing. Obviously, they have a lot of the same players from last year. Do you, have you seen, did it feel like there was kind of an understanding of the roles going into the season, or is that something you've seen develop, I guess, in the past month or so or even more once they've gotten into SEC play? Yeah, I think it probably mostly happened over the summer because 
you know, and talking with some of the players and, you know, coaches and stuff um, before the season started, I think that they kind of all had the had the idea of this is what our offense might look like. This is what I'm going to have to do. But definitely, as you kind of alluded to, um, as the season's gone on, I think they've gone from, you know, I know what I'm supposed to do. Now they've gotten it. They've really gotten good at it. You know, they know in game what in the situations, what exactly I need to be doing. So I think it's been kind of a working a work in progress, so to speak. Um, probably started maybe even to the end of last year, but definitely over the summer and all the practices and everything they went through. But as the season's gone along, yeah, they definitely opt into those roles pretty nicely. Yeah, you talked about the Ole Miss game obviously being a close one, 68-67. And like you were saying, a lot of good teams in the SEC. Ole Miss, not particularly one of them. I haven't looked at the bracketology. I would assume that they are not in the field of 68 sure. right now. Does it feel, and we'll, we'll get a better feel for this as things go along, but does it feel like this is a Tennessee team that can kind of play to the level of their competition at times, or is it more of just, and obviously, again, we said Ole Miss isn't one of these teams, or is it just more the nature of the SEC being really good and most – most every night you're going to play a team that's going to be able to be competitive with you. Yeah, I think it's uh, – I, I wouldn't say that they're necessarily playing down to their competition or anything. I think, um, you know, like you said, SEC is very tough this year. There's a lot of good teams, but Ole Miss, they just – I think they just had a bad, a bad quarter against Ole Miss. Their first quarter, they were turning the ball over a lot. So then in turn, you know, they're rushing shots, just making mistakes, trying to catch up. And after the end of the first quarter, you know – Harper talked to them, got them back on track. And so they, you know, got out of the hole that they dug themselves in. And so, def I, but they've definitely um, blown past some other really good teams this year. They beat Kentucky by a lot, Arkansas by a lot, Alabama by a lot. And I think those are three ranked teams that are probably all going to the tournament. And so, you know, they definitely have success. They definitely, you know, as you said, they've got a high ceiling. They can play anybody, but I think not necessarily playing it down the competition against Ole Miss. They just, you know, had a bad quarter, and it kind of kind of hurt them for that game. And then we saw on Sunday, Tennessee, I don't know if I'd say a blowout win over Florida, but a pretty even first quarter after that. Tennessee really took the reins of that game in the second quarter and didn't look back. But the story of the game, I don't think there's – and we can talk about anything before we talk about Tamari Key's performance. Triple-double, 23 points, 10 rebounds, 10 blocks – just how impressive was that to watch? And I don't know if the SID had any information. When Have you heard anything about when the last time there has been a triple-double at Tennessee or in the nation that had blocks as one of, as one of the uh, things? We were saying, we were talking about a little bit of the exit of the first segment. We thought Brittany Griner was kind of the obvious subs, subspect. But just talk about her performance and, and if you have any good stats for us, any yeah. since wins, uh, uh, fill us in with it. <laughs> definitely definitely an impressive achievement for her um it was super awesome she was like just kind of speechless after the game obviously just so excited an incredible accomplishment from where she's came last year into this year but as you mentioned it was um well I guess the SID did have some good facts for me he said it was the fourth one in team history and the most recent one was like 2016 I believe so it's not been that long of a, of a gap but there's only been four you know in the the great history that the Lady Vols have to just be the fourth person with a triple double. That's pretty special. Um, I believe it was the only triple double in team history that had double digit blocks. Um, all the other ones were points and assists and um, rebounds and such, but she, I think she was the first one to have blocks. And so with, 
a team like Tennessee that defense isn't really their strongest point. They're not bad at it, but it, they're just kind of average to have her really step up and be, to be able to block at a high level and get uh, defensive rebounds at a high level. That's definitely important for, for the team going forward. Yeah, you talk about her ability to play defense and, and rebound, and Tennessee's had some some players drop down down low this year, so they're, they're a little bit thin. How, just how important is she to this team and especially on the defensive end of kind of gluing things together and making those sorts of fix-it plays? Yeah, absolutely. She is uh, – she's so important down there. Just her size, she's six foot five, I believe, and basically every team that Tennessee's played so far, she's been the tallest person on the field. She's got such an advantage there, um, you know, blocking shots and getting rebounds. Um and, and also with her, a nice compliment that Tennessee's had this year has been the other, uh, the senior Kashi Kiskitawa, uh, another center, six five or six four, I believe. And so the the duo that they, that they have become down on defense has been pretty impressive to watch. She's blocking at a high level. Kiskitawa is getting rebounds at a high level too. And so you know, as I mentioned earlier, Tennessee's not real big on defense. That's not really their speciality. But um, with those two down there, it's really helped out a lot. And also. You mentioned kind of offensively key. Uh, she's kind of broken out this year. She didn't get as much playing time last year as a freshman and didn't start till I think uh, earlier this year when they played Indiana, when uh, Kean Green went down, who was the starter there. But she's really that she got to start then. She's really come along, really played quite nicely. And, you know, she was getting about 10 points a game or so for a while. But this last stretch of game, she's really been heating up. She's adding high scoring to her list of uh, things she can do. And so that's really been beneficial to Lady Vols. So moving from this week going forward, things about to get real difficult for Tennessee. They're about to see that gauntlet and in the SEC schedule. Next five games all against ranked opponents to go to number 24 Mississippi State this week and number seven Texas A&M this week. And then next week they will go to number 15 Kentucky and host number two South Carolina, the class of the league. And then they'll get a rematch at number 25 Georgia the following Thursday. Last year, Tennessee was kind of in the same spot, probably weren't quite as good record-wise about halfway through SEC play. They hit a stretch like this. I think they went one and four. What does Tennessee need to do to avoid that? And what should be a realistic goal for this team over the next two and a half weeks? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, a realistic goal, I'm looking at the list here, the five we just named. I think they can take three out of five. I think Mississippi State, Kentucky and Georgia I think those are three that if you want as much as we can say a surefire thing for Tennessee I think those are three that Tennessee has to have in order you know to not have a collapse kind of like what you mentioned they that happened last year so Mississippi State they're good they got a couple good players but I think that's a team that Tennessee's better than they should be it's a road game I know but it should be one that they should be able to go down there and take care of business um, Kentucky again another road game but they handled Kentucky pretty nicely earlier in the year so you would think uh, that would be one they, they can handle. And the same thing with Georgia, a road game. They did lose to Georgia, so I think they'll be going in there with a little bit of extra passion, a little bit of extra fire, trying to get, you know, the trying to take the rematch. But then against Texas A&M and, and uh, South Carolina, you know, as you mentioned, the top of the SEC right now, um, Tennessee played a pretty good team in UConn earlier, and they hung in there for a while. I think after the end of the third quarter, they were leading. So I think against these two teams, you know, we can't say, oh, when's expected, but if you, you know, you hang in there, you play pretty good basketball for about three quarters or so, I think that's a pretty good goal to set at least. 
Well, that is going to do it for this edition of the Checkerboard Chat. We will have complete coverage of both of the Lady Vols road trips this week to Starkville on Thursday and then College Station on Sunday. Josh, thanks for being here with us. And everybody, thanks for joining us. You have a great rest of your week.